Well, hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's great to be with you. Um, this week I have um, a guest who's a new friend of mine. I actually got to meet him out in person when I was out in Wyoming. Um, just our, t- our schedules kind of aligned, but uh, my guest this week, his name is Jeremy McMorris, and he's um, he's actually a pastor of a church out in Texas, but he also runs a um, small and growing uh, knife company called Yukon River Knives, and they're kind of a knife store. You can buy um, different knives uh, at their website, but they also make, um, I got mine right here actually, um, a really high, couple really high quality um knives right here you can see i'm holding mine right here if you're watching online um this one is called the hunter it's a fixed blade model Uh, it's made of that uh, s35 vn steel that just retains an edge incredibly well they have a smaller version of this called a small game and um another like a skeletonized version of their knives but um a great company you know you, you know, it's it's on par with the best quality knives out there. You know, the balance and the materials and just everything about it is awesome. But the really cool thing about Yukon River Knives is um, not only are they priced well for a knife of this quality, but a portion of every sale actually goes to supporting a missionary and his family who works in Alaska. So if you know anything about rural Alaska and some of the smaller villages. Um, it's, it's, a it's a mission field that's ripe. I'll say that. I mean, there's, um, you know, there's a lot of substance abuse and a lot of these communities don't have a, uh, church or a pastor of their own. They kind of rely on, uh, these guys who are almost like itinerant pastors that kind of travel from village to village as they can. Um, so, um, it's a really cool mission, mission field and um you know when you buy one of these yukon river knives like i said you're getting an amazing quality knife i use this on my antelope hunt i broke down two antelope with it it's still you know razor sharp and uh but you're supporting a an actual missionary and his family that's you know spreading the gospel up in alaska so definitely check out yukon river knives this is a cool conversation i have with my new friend jeremy um, and I even break out, you know, some of my knife collection and show some really cool, uh, unique blades that I have. Cause I've always kind of really liked knives and collecting knives and I have some cool stuff. So if you're watching, you can kind of check those knives out, but yeah, check out Yukon river knives, um, grab yourself a knife and help support missions and, uh, enjoy this episode guys. I hope you're having a great season and we'll see you guys in the next one. All right, so I'm here today with my guest, Jeremy McMorris from Yukon River Knives, and also the pastor of, what was your church called again? Liberty Baptist Church, yeah. Liberty. Dalhart, Texas. Dalhart, what part of Texas is that? So go as far north in Texas as you can, and Mm -hmm. then go as far west in Texas as you can. Okay. Way up in the panhandle. I mean, I'm, I'm like 20 minutes from Oklahoma, Okay. 30 minutes from New Mexico, uh yeah nice. in fact a lot of people who live in texas when you tell them you're from dalhart they're like oh yeah i've been through dalhart because yeah. if you go to colorado uh you have to go through our town okay yeah cool man so um and we were just talking about so you said you're a pastor of a small church and um 
And so I was on staff at a church because we were talking about your background and like video production and all that stuff. I was on staff at a small church. I started right around the time everything shut down. So I was, um, I was the online campus coordinator is what the position was called. Um, and so I help them get their online stuff going. So did you guys go online, have to figure that whole thing out on the fly too, or? Yes. Yeah, we did. And I was all on the fly. So I mean, it seems like every <laughs> week we were realizing, okay, that didn't work very well. Yeah. Let's try this. And yeah. Yeah. Everybody was just like trying to figure that out. And um, you guys are, I'm assuming you're all kind of back to normal now. We are. Yeah. It, uh, thankfully the small town in Texas that I live in, uh, I tell people it was probably one of the easiest uh, places to kind of weather the, all of the, both yeah. the, both physically health wise, but then also just politically yeah. um, we're an agricultural community. And so everybody just kept working, uh, you know? Yeah. yeah. I was really thankful for it. Yeah. Yeah, man, it was a weird, it was a weird time, but I'm glad we're, we're through that, man. Um, so, um, I gotta ask you too about your antelope back there. Let me see him. Yeah. Where'd you shoot him? Um, I shot this one. 15 miles from here, just right oh, here. Okay. Yeah, we have them up here in the panhandle. Yeah. Was that on some private land or there's not much so public where I out live, there? I mean, it's almost everything is private land. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a lot of asking permission, asking permission, asking permission, getting told no regularly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you don't have, you don't have any, uh, any church members that have like a big, huge farm. You can just go hunt, do you? Well, no, actually, so at, I've, I've pastored here for nine years now. So at this point, I do have a couple of spots that thankfully are kind of, uh, that I have kind of locked in. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the really, so there's where I live, there's farm ground and ranch ground. Yeah. Uh, farm land, land is broken out and irrigated and the ranch is just grass for cattle. And, uh, the best hunting for, for big game is the, uh, is the ranch land actually, mm -hmm. especially if there's yeah. canyons and breaks and that kind of thing. And so I've had permission a few times to hunt spots like that. And, uh, I'm, I, I will neither confirm nor deny whether or not there are some of the biggest deer in Texas, uh, within 30 miles of me, but we want, nice. we, want we want to keep the secret, um, close to the vest. So. Yeah. Do you guys have mule deer up there too, or is it mainly yeah. whitetail? Yeah. 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 I don't know if you've seen on uh, our Yukon river knives website, but I think the, my bio page has a photo of me and my 186 inch uh, mule deer that I shot. Wow. Actually I shot it in New Mexico, but as the crow flies is 45 miles. Yeah. 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 But we well, did. Yeah. I didn't really know you were, a, I mean, uh, I knew you were a hunter, but I, I thought you were more of like a bird and small game guy, but you are, you do, you are a big game hunter as well, huh? Oh uh, yeah. That I, so, uh, that's what I enjoy the most is big game hunting. Yeah. Yeah. Like I grew up in Michigan, okay. um, and, uh, shot my first deer with a bow when I was 15 and nice. uh, you know, was about like me too. I think I was 14. Yeah, I, I, but, I, yeah. I heard your story. I listened to your first podcast the other day and, I thought the same. Oh, okay. thing. Like, oh yeah, that's really similar. Um, nice. Yeah. Yep. So, how? I'm just curious. Um, where did you first come across the podcast? Man, how, uh, that's a great question. I think. I man, I want to say that a YouTube like it was a YouTube suggestion. Oh, okay. Cool. And I clicked on it and. Or maybe I, 
or maybe some, I saw you tagged somewhere on Instagram, man. I, as I recall, it may have just been a YouTube suggestion, clicked okay. on it, noticed, you know, obviously you've interviewed a lot of, of the leaders in the outdoor space and uh, checked out some of those podcasts, looked at your, your website and your Instagram noted your like just outspoken testimony for Christ and thought, ah, oh, man, like, I like that. I think, cool. I think I'd like this guy and reached out to you just kind of by way of introduction and said, Hey, yeah, ma'am. And, and yeah. so background. So if you guys are watching, if you're listening, go check it out YouTube. But if you're watching, um, Jeremy hit me up on Instagram, um, which doesn't happen a lot, but it happens sometimes and you gotta be, you know, careful. Some people are just like, Hey, or the, my favorite is, <laughs> Hey, are you interested in any Damascus knives? Have you seen those guys? I was getting ready like to Pakistan say, and stuff. I was getting ready to, to say, have you already been, uh, hit up by the Damascus knives? Oh, every day. Yeah. I don't know what's up with that, but anyway, but Jeremy, I looked at him a little bit and, um, he's like, he had, what's do you have like a what's your title is there do you have a title at uconn river or yeah, i just, mean so i i'm kind of co-owner uh okay co-owner yeah that yeah. works yeah. so he's a co-owner of yukon river knives and i looked at his website and everything it looked pretty cool and um you know he sent me a knife and it, i'm a knife guy i love knives if you're watching you can see it if you're listening maybe go check it out um but you can see him on instagram too yukon river knives um and so, like I said, I'm kind of a knife nerd. Like my great uncle, it's one of my kind of mentors, um, kind of got me into hunting. Kind of one of the guys that inspired me to like go out west and do these adventures. Um, he had this big den in his in his great room, or it was his great room in his house. Um, it was an add-on, but it was like his. It was like where they always hung out, but it was really his man cave. And there was, um, he had this giant albino fallow buck that he shot with a longbow. Um, that actually Fred Bear was came to Kentucky to chase. He shot it in the land between the lakes in Kentucky. Um, just tons of cool stuff in there. But he always had cases like full of knives. So I've always like loved knives, probably because of that. But anyway, I have tons of knives. And um, and Jeremy sent me this one. This one's called the Hunter, right? which is yep. also yeah. cool because it's my name. Right, yep. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, super, super nice knife. Um, just really well balanced. The grip feels great in the hand. Um, it's that uh, S35VN steel, you know, obviously full tang. Um, yeah, just a really, really nice knife. And I haven't used it yet, but I know it's razor sharp because it shaves my arm. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, man, so I wanted to have you on and, Say thanks for for sending this to me. I'm looking yeah, forward to I, yeah. You I hope you get it bloody. I hope you. Uh, me too, man. Yeah, me too. Um, and uh, it comes in this really cool like box and everything. Like you can tell they really just care about the product. Uh, nice leather sheath. Um, I think you can get it in Kydex too, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, so yeah, so just tell me a little bit about, I want to have you on and just kind of hear more about it. Cause I know that the company is not just a knife company. There's kind of a mission with it as well, which is also really cool. So just tell me a little bit about Yukon River Knives. Sure. Yeah. So it's hard for me to tell the story without including some of even just like my, my testimony. So yeah, sure. Um, when, uh, I'll fast forward to my first ministry role, uh, out of college and grad school, I was the youth pastor at a church in South Carolina and uh, w uh, within the first month or two of being there, a gentleman approached me uh, by the name of Ron Stepp. 
And he said, hey, um, I've helped with youth. My, Ron was in his 60s at the time. Uh-huh. He said, I've helped with youth my entire life. If I can be of any service to you as you lead our youth ministry, please let me know. And I was like, great. you know. And come to find out he had like 15 canoes, a couple canoe trailers. He was always doing backpacking outdoor uh, kind of things. And Ron uh, had his full-time job. But on the side, he, um, he bought and sold high-end um, custom knives. Okay. Um, and, and people who are custom knife, uh, collectors would, would recognize, uh, the names of the makers that Ron was buying and selling. And, um, these like, okay, these collector type yeah. knives. Yep. So I've always been like, <laughs> um, I've always I like things that have that like function is more important or at least as yes. important as like you know aesthetics. Sure. Like um I mean yeah this is a great looking knife but it's not like you know it's not like a uh, one of those gas station knives with like wolves howling on the handle or something. <laughs> like is that like these kind of like high end you say like high end yeah. you know yep. um collector knives like are they like real knives like you can use for real stuff or are they like just designed to live up on a shelf and look at well so uh that to answer that question maybe is even a little bit more complicated and ron could probably answer it better than i would so um the high-end collectible knives all of them can be used in the field they can be used uh for you know a lot of different purposes the the purposes you know for which they were designed mm-hmm. um so a lot of guys will have no qualms, no hesitation to buy a $400, $500 knife and use it in the field. In fact, right now, uh, yesterday, I don't know if you noticed on our Instagram, uh, we promoted a knife that had been designed by Midwest bow hunter Bill Winky. So yeah, we, that thing looks uh, really cool. Yeah, Bill uh, and we were collaborating on that. He, We went back and forth, back and forth, made some prototypes, and he finally came up with this is exactly and he calls it the ultimate whitetail knife um and bill knows a, a thing or two about about uh, yeah. hunting whitetails so we had 10 full custom uh knives built by renowned knife maker owen baker hmm. um and so to purchase one of those knives at 450 dollars and some people look at that and go that's ridiculous who would ever spend $450 for a knife um, while there was, there was one individual who within the first 10 minutes of those being posted online, bought two of them for himself. Mm. So, so, and he, and he will use them. Um, You can spend, uh, I think Ron at one point had in his possession and then sold a knife that sold for $15,000. Um, you could wow. use it. You could use it to like. Uh, wh- like, why is it that much? Is it the materials? Is it like gold plated? Like, what's? <laughs> yeah. No. So well, some of them are. Yes, there are high end knives that are valuable because just of the intrinsic value of the yeah. uh, materials. Um, with that knife, as I recall, it was made by an extremely esteemed uh, custom knife maker. Who okay, was so it's about the guy who made it, and he made two of them. And okay. that's all he was going to make. So the artist gotcha. who made it and then the uh, scarcity of the product drove. Yeah. And that's honestly, even these 10 ultimate whitetail knives, um, the quality of the materials, mm-hmm. the fact that they're handmade instead of production made, 
Um, and the fact that there's only 10, that's, that's the reason why they're $450. Um, yeah. Okay. So we're going down a little bit of a rabbit trail here and we will get back, but I got to ask, okay, yeah. what's the difference beca- between, like you said, handmade and production made? What's yeah. the difference there? Cause you're not talking about like a dude actually hammering these things out on an anvil. Are you? In some cases, yes. Um, so there's two types. There's, and by the way, I've been in the knife world for about three years now. Yeah. So Ron, who we're, we're on pause with this on that conversation of my meeting Ron Step, who is the other co-owner. Yeah. Um, he's actually the founder, and co- when I say co-owner, he brought me in three years ago. Yeah. He would actually answer all these questions. With forty years of experience, I've got three years That's all of good. doing this as a side hustle. You're in good company of inexperienced uh, people here. So. Okay, so like <laughs> people who want to to inform you and I in the show notes later if they want to make, yeah. they're probably right. Uh, if they're correcting me, it's it's a good chance. There's a good chance they're right. They're right. There's two primary ways that custom knives are made. One is called stock removal, where I've got a bar of steel and a grinder. Yeah. And I grind that thing down to uh, how I, you know, un- until I've got the knife made. Um, and most of the knives that we sell on our website that are custom knives are stock removal. Okay. The other is forging, hammer forged, or they have machine hammers um, yeah. where they forge those out. And so we also do uh, a lot of the knives on our website are made by a knife maker out of North Carolina called Michael Presnell go please go check out his work. Michael is a dear brother in Christ. He does fantastic knife work. He's at a real uh, uh, affordable point. A lot of his knives are in the 250 to 350, uh, 300, 250, $350 range for a full custom knife. That is uh, that's, that's, and he's using great product, great, um, great materials. So those are the two primary ways that a knife is being made. Um, these winky knives uh, that he designed, uh, the ultimate whitetail knife, those are uh, those are stock removal. So, a bar of steel on a grinder. Then, but a person is actually holding it and grinding it. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So they're not laser cut by a production. So like the knife that you got is actually made by a fantastic production company in Michigan called White River Knives, run by John Caminga and his sons. Uh, White River knives. They're all American yeah. made stuff. Fantastic knives. We are blessed that they are producing some of our designs for us. That being one of them. So, yeah. I keep pulling it out. It just feels really good in my hand. Uh, um, if, if you saw my desk, I have five or six knives that live there. And yeah. <laughs> when I'm on the phone, when I'm studying, uh, knives are yeah. out of sheaths all day long. Um, okay. So back to what we were talking about, which is, so I said, I met Ron step when I was a youth pastor. Uh, and so Ron is a dear Christian man. He has forgotten more than I'll ever know about knives. Um, and, uh, so he took me under his wing. Uh, Ron had blessed, uh, or God had blessed Ron and his wife with two daughters. Ron never had any sons. Um, and so I, uh, Ron would even say this. I I was blessed to kind of be adopted into Ron's, uh, there are probably half a dozen of us around the United States and in Alaska who are part of Ron's son group. Cool. And, uh, and I was blessed to become one of those. And so through the years I'd get a surprise knife or, 
Um, I'd be lying to say that I don't have a bow or two or a gun or two um, that have come to me uh, from from uncle. My family calls him Uncle Ron. Okay. Um, so, Ron, but Ron. Sorry, um, my uh, no, my little buddy Ron. just wandered in here. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I'm in my church office, so who knows uh, who may walk in or out of. Uh, Let me just uh, get <laughs> just get her out really quick. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, man. You want to keep telling the story? No, 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 I'll be right back. All right, all right. Sorry about that. I normally lock my door, but I was like, ah, she won't come up here. No, you're good. Of course she did. So, while, while we have a, just a slight break, I'm grabbing I grabbed the hunter and the small game. I mean, okay, cool. Dude, after this finishes story, I actually want to do a little show and tell because I have some sweet knives I want to show you. But anyway. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Ron, uh, I met Ron Stepp at, when I was a youth pastor there uh, at the church in South Carolina, and he took me under his wing. He had been doing knives on the side for, for over – 40 years, probably close to 50 years now. Um, and he wanted a way to use his side hustle to also be a blessing yeah. uh, to a missionary friend of his in Alaska, uh, a, a guy that's my age by the name of Joshua Roach. He would be part of Ron's son's group. Cool. And so Joshua uh, has a boat. He goes up and down the Yukon River. This is where this this whole, this is where the, the name Yukon River Knives, yeah. uh, this is the genesis. And he lives up there full time? Josh, Josh was born in Alaska, lives in Alaska, pastors a church in Alaska, and does evangelistic missions work along the Yukon River and does some he hunt? coastal villages. I'm sorry? Does he hunt? Yes. Yeah, he does. Uh, uh, Noted yeah, Josh, in the back of my brain. Uh, Josh is that guy that if you found yourself lost in the Alaskan bush, you'd, you'd want yeah. to have long. And if you had Josh and a knife, you you know you'd survive yeah well i just i just asked because um coming from the east coast and trying to pull off all these hunts like yep. anytime you can find locals yep, yep. it's just good well, for lots well, of reasons. But anyway go maybe, ahead maybe we have this discussion off off, off <laughs> yeah. camera sometime but um i would love for us to go up there together and like spring black bear is an incredible hunt prince william sound one of the most beautiful places god ever made and then you're also hunting for black bear yeah, um, and that's a trip that that Josh does every single year. I mean, he always he 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 will tell me, "Look, man, I'm going hunting. Why yeah. come with me?" And so he's got two boats actually, uh, and he's got a guy in his church that's a pilot, and so he can get in and out of places uh, very affordably, very easily. So yeah, you do need to tuck that away. You'd love Josh. Oh, it's been tucked. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> um, anyway, back to the story. So, so he, he's a missionary, which is cool because, like I told you on the phone before earlier, actually, I was trying to do a story when I was working at the 700 Club about a guy who does this type of work. A lot of them are like almost like itinerant pastors because the communities are so small. They don't have a full-time pastor usually. It's usually a missionary that goes from community to community kind of right. like uh, pastoring little churches all over the place. And it's a... It's a, a community with a lot of um, need because it's a, there, there's a lot of uh, a lot of poverty, a lot of substance abuse, um, some pretty rough spots up there. Yeah, yeah. No, you're exactly right about about all of that. Ron wanted a way to use his love for knives in the outdoors to bless Josh, so he began kind of a, a an arm of his knife business called Yukon River Knives. 
And he wanted to take some of the knife designs of Owen Baker. So Owen Baker is a custom knife maker in Tennessee, Mm -hmm. Newport, Tennessee. He wanted to take the designs of Owen and Owen can only make, you know, however many knives a week, however many knives a month. And he's got people ordering knives from him all the time. And so Owen wasn't, didn't have the capacity to make enough knives for us to sell. And they would be at a kind of an upper price point, 350, you know, $400 knives. And we wanted something that was a little more affordable um, and that we could have, you know, mass produced. So we take the knives to White River Knives. White River says we would, we love these knife designs. We'll make them, um, we'll make them for you. We'll put your logo on one side. If you'll let us put our logo on the other side and also sell these knives exclusively through White River Knives. Mm-hmm. So it's been a it's been an interesting partnership, but a wonderful blessing for us um, uh, that White River has done. And so the like you said, the steel is is just one of the sweetheart steels of today. It's, it's incredible. Uh uh, edge retention and resharpenability. Um, it, micarta, uh, micarta handle, uh, micarta scales on the on the knives, uh, mm-hmm. on these knives, and so um, yeah, you you can't spend one hundred and eighty dollars and buy a better knife. Yeah, uh, I stand by that. There's you can't for that money. You you can buy more expensive knives. You can't buy a better knife. That knife you'll like I said you'll give yeah. to your I mean, I remember I actually told you the other day on the phone, I was like, dude, you could sell this for more. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. uh, But no, that's, that's cool. And I love the, I love the mission. um, Yeah. So buy, get get yours now. (laughs) Get yours now. I'll get more now. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And just like the, the presentation of it. I mean, and like, you know, that's not a, I mean, obviously no one's going to take this wooden box out in the field, but it is cool and it shows up in that. And, um, and uh, so yeah, that's awesome, man. I really love the uh, the mission behind it, and um, you know, the, kind of the purpose behind it and everything. Yeah. Um, so our tagline you- is "Knives with a Mission." Um, you know, we we're we uh, a portion of every single sale goes to help supporting missions work nice. up there in Alaska, uh, specifically right now, Joshua Roach and his family. Yeah. Uh, another little interesting detail that the the um, Owen Baker, the knife designer. Um, it's his son-in-law. Josh is his son-in-law. Oh, cool. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty close knit group of, of men. And yeah. then years ago, um, Ron, who is in his, uh, early seventies, uh, said to me, Hey, uh, I, I, I want to hand this off to someone. Uh, would you pray about taking it on? And at first, honestly, I was hesitant, um, because I thought, number one, I'm not really a businessman. I don't know how to do this. And number two, um, I don't want to be that pastor that's always trying to sell something to someone. Yeah. I mean, like I, I didn't want that to ever be part of my, I didn't want people like, Oh no, what's he going to try to sell me? Right. Uh, and yet the Lord just made it really clear that I, I needed to, uh, to take this up and, yeah. and try to create on. So, yeah. Well, that's cool. And it's always good. Like when you can, like get a quality product and it's kind of like a, everyone wins. Cause like I said, it's a really good knife. It's at a really good price point and you're actually helping 
somebody out and some communities out uh, with it. So that's really cool, man. Um, yeah, that's that. I would say that's the unique thing about Yukon River knives. Look, there's a lot of great knives out there. There's a lot of great knife companies. Um, so number one, I'm thankful that when you compare these knives to any other knives that are, you know, in comparison and the price point, it is immediately obvious that these knives hold their own. They, they really yeah. are exceptional quality. This, I've got the small game model here in my hand right here. So yeah, I like that uh, too. old fashioned name for the small, for what we we're, we're calling the small game. Uh, they used to call these the bird and trout. Um, yeah. and so, Although that's still a really handy size for breaking down a deer or something. I, I can't, I have used, I've actually used the small game to break yeah. down deer more than I've used the hunter. Yeah. Because years ago, um, before I was uh, officially part of Yukon River Knives, all I had was the small game. I didn't own the hunter. And so I used it on a bunch of animals, but, you know, breasting dove, breasting pheasant, quail, working, you know, cleaning a trout. Um, yeah. It's an excellent a really good size, but the, the other, th I mean, so you can buy these same exact knives through white river. It doesn't have our logo on it and it doesn't support our mission. So yeah. that's what makes us unique. Now we do have some knives on our website that are exclusively through us. Um, but these are kind of our bread and butter knives, the hunter, the small game. And then there's another little one that Owen designed called the ATK that stands mm -hmm. for always their knife. And it's just a little, kind of skeletal looking there's no handle on it it's just a solid yeah. little cut out it's it's meant to be a backup stick it in a book bag stick it in your truck console yeah you know just kind of lightweight yeah, yeah. um okay cool that's yeah. awesome man um i want to like i want to show you some of my stuff with some of my cool knives is that cool I would we can talk about them yeah i would love maybe some people will watch yeah Yeah, do it, man. All right, so if you guys are listening, go to YouTube and check this out because I got some cool stuff here I want to show you, and then we'll keep keep talking here about um, what Yukon River's up to. But um, so I wanted to show you a couple since we're both knife nerds here. Yeah. If, so if you got any? Feel free to show me too. The leather in the leather pouch is that a is that the Buck One Ten right there? No. This is actually okay. This is from my uncle. I was talking about earlier. Uh -huh. This is a case sidewinder. Okay, Have you seen yeah. one of these? Uh, I haven't held one before. I think I've seen photos of it. It's uh just like a big lock. You no, know, I like, haven't. No, I'm not familiar with that knife. Okay, I but mean, the uh, the case. locking thing is right here, which is kind of unique. Okay. Um, he was a big oh. case case knives guy. Um, and then. This one is from my same uncle, Case Hammerhead. Okay, yeah. A couple of these got like a bone or antler. Yep. Little guy, but these are special just because they were, came from him. They they lived in his case cases in there. And yep. my favorite knife is a probably a fifteen dollar shred that my I called him my pawpaw that my pawpaw yeah. gave me when I was a kid, and I wouldn't part with it for anything. Yeah, it's the. Yeah. You know, the 
just the nostalgia. This is yeah. my favorite one he gave me. It's called a Kodiak. Have you seen one of these? Nice. Uh, no, man. It's like old time, like Bowie uh-huh. knife. Yeah. It's got a bear. Yeah. On the but it's a it's a case knife. Um, it's got a real like, I think that's a real piece of antler. Yeah. Pretty sure. Probably stag. Yeah. Yeah. Big uh, brass. Yeah. Pommel. You can tell he carried this thing around too. It's like, you know, some of the brass sure. is wearing off and stuff. I, I wish I wish we could wear big knives on our belts in a sheath all the time. I mean, <laughs> when you're a 12 year old kid, that's all you want to do. I know. Yeah. Um, uh, apparently, like, I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure that even if you have a concealed carry permit for a gun, it's illegal to carry a fixed blade knife. Did you know that? Yeah, I think if they're over a certain length, it it differs from state to state. But yeah, yeah I think if I think I guess the reason is because I mean theoretically you could like silently kill somebody and just like walk away and no one would know like <laughs> it was you. Um, okay, this one. Whoa. This is a Nazi, a legit Nazi dress dagger that my grandfather somehow came back. He was a prisoner of war in World War II and somehow came back with this thing. It's got a yeah, swastika you know, probably, right here. Probably not the best like uh, field dressing knife, <laughs> but no. that's that's incredible, man. It's got like a. I mean, this yeah. is like. Got the eagle and the swastika. Yes. Like, obviously, I do not condone Nazism. Those guys were evil as junk. <laughs> just but, want to make that clear. Yeah. yeah, just making that clear. I am not a That's Nazi. Awesome, Nazis are evil. But I, I mean, I don't know how he even cool, got yeah. this thing. Do you have any idea of its value? No, I don't. He came back with this and like a officer's hat. He was a prisoner of war for. He was a ball turret gunner. And they got shot down in a B-24. No, yeah, B-24. And Later, he was a, a POW for like a year and a half. Wow, man, that's that's crazy. I always wonder, like, how do you get it and get home with it, especially if you've been a yeah. POW? But no idea. Later, this one. Later, send me a picture of that, and I'll I'll ask Ron. And he, he'll he'll yeah. know. Some, he'll have sure. some value. There's tons of fake ones out there. This one is legit. Okay, this one I really like. This one I got after the earthquakes in Nepal. I was working at CBN. They sent me to Nepal to cover the earthquake coverage, and I got this Gurkha. But it's not like a touristy one. Like I bought this like in like a local like hardware store. Right. It's totally handmade. Uh-huh. Like you can tell. Like I paid twenty bucks for it. <laughs> That's cool. Have you seen one of these? Gurkha? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry. I just had to show you these. And last no, one, cool, last one. my mother-in-law just brought me back this from Iran. Oh, nice. Which I cannot go to Iran because that would not be good. But I don't even know what it's for. But I told her to bring me back a knife. And I was like, don't bring me back like some fancy touristy. Yeah, right. Know, yeah, station knife. Yeah, wolves howling on it and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, so so have you been collecting knives like yourself for a while? Like, did you no, were you man, into man, knives man. before you kind of, or was it the I'm, mission I'm, that kind of got you into it? Mission got me into it for sure. I, you know, I'm I'm like most most of us. You know, uh, the 
the romance of, of knives and guns, I mean, has always been part of my life. I didn't know much about them. In fact, I remember a funny story um, when I first met Ron and uh, I found out that he was into knives. I brought him a knife that had been given to me and uh, brought it to him and showed it to him. And he, he looked at it. It was, a, it was a handmade knife. And he looked at it and he, he made some you know, kind comments. And he, you know, said, well, that must be really meaningful to you and kind of handed it back. To me. And he never commented anything about the knife. And years later, you know, once I came to understand a little bit about knives and knife production, and knife quality and that sort of thing, I realized, oh, it was, it was a yeah. really, um, I'll just say junkie. It was a really yeah. junk knife. And, uh, <laughs> and he was just trying to be kind without being insulting. Um, yeah. So, no, I, 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 by no means am I a knife collector. Um, in the like I say, in the last few years, I've been more interested in it than ever. Read some books on knives, you know, kind of follow all the big knife makers on Instagram, so I kind of see what's going out there. Subscribe yeah. to knife magazine for a while, um, but really, I'm mostly familiar with kind of our knives. I'm learning a lot about knife making, knife production, uh, materials used in knife making. Um, and cool. so I used to think who on earth would ever spend $150 on a knife. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But people yeah. are, I mean, you see like Montana knife company, like they blew up and yep. um, I, I, I don't know, like anyway. Yeah. No, I, people I would, are doing it. That I'd like to get my hand on some of their knives. They, they're, they put out some really good looking stuff. And I, and you know, when you look at the materials they're using, you, you can just know, yeah, they're, that's going to be a good product if yeah the craftsmanship looks fantastic um the material looks good yeah um but you know what i would what i would say is um you know when it comes to knives i actually encourage guys look get get one or two really good knives for, for this reason you, it is it really is true that you get what you pay for right the yeah. gas station knife with the wolf howling on it it, it the is flashlight in the part. handle yeah, it's gonna you know, whistle. Yeah, it's it's going to it's going to fall apart. Um, and so to get something with some premium materials is going to hold together for your lifetime, and you know al almost certainly for several lifetimes. There is something really special about being given an heirloom from your father or grandfather, and quite yeah. frankly, there there is something actually even special about being given something that is of some value right so uh yeah like we were just talking about the night most of the knives i just showed you were all given to me by great uncles or grandfathers right right and then and then there's also there is something i want to be careful here because i i think that we can be inappropriately materialistic and find sure. too much value and too like i have to have things and i identify my my uh my identity is in i own this you know sure. where the that baseball card just sold for however many millions of dollars. Oh, I didn't see that. You know, it was yeah something ridiculous. Anyway, um, without trying to fit, you're never going to feel, fill the desire, the ultimate desires of your heart, which are for, for, for God of um, course, yeah. stuff. But there is an appropriate enjoyment of good things. Um, mm -hmm. We would rather shoot a higher end rifle than a, than a cheap rifle. We'd rather, you know, wear good gear than cheap gear. 
And with knives, knives are so often part of telling the story. Um, you know, you shoot, you shoot your deer with your favorite hunting rifle and then you pull out some, you know, gas station knife that isn't sharp and, and isn't, you know, isn't going to be part of carrying on the story. Um, and I actually think that there is a place for that $150, $250 knife in your pack where you pull it out and you're, you're proud of that blade and you're, you know, you're commemorating a moment with it. And, and maybe, maybe in that moment, it does become something that becomes uh, an heirloom and a hand-me-down. I, um, I remember yeah. I read this story in an outdoor uh, book years ago where the author said that he was, he had been carrying around a custom made knife for his son when his son harvested his first big game animal. Hmm. Well, I, I picked up on that early enough. None of my kids had shot their, their first big game animal yet. And, uh, and so I have had, my kids aren't going to watch this, so it doesn't matter. I have had custom knives made for all four of my children and my wife, actually. Um, nice. they don't know this. Two of them know that know this because two of them have shot a deer. Uh, they've, they've shot their first deer. And uh, when, when we approached that animal to field dress it, I pulled out of my pack, and kind of made a special ceremony of it, you know, like, That's Hey, cool. good job. I'm proud of you. Um, here, here's a nice, yeah. this moment. And totally. um, yeah, no, that's really cool, man. And yeah. You can, like I said, you can tie it. There's always like this weird thing. Again, you don't want to get too materialistic, but like, you know, like when you get a piece of gear and it's just, it's just a thing. But then, like after you've been on like four or five trips with it, and like suffered with it, and used yes. it, and like you have, it's almost like you you like build up these memories with that yeah. pack or that gun or that knife, or whatever it is, and you can like almost look back and be like, man, look at all the you know, think of all the um you know the animals that I you know use this right. knife to to cut up and bring home, and um that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I and so a lot of it's personal taste as well. I tend to like the 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 traditional look of mm -hmm. uh i mean it's just a classic hunting style yeah. knife and again if you go to our website most of it is it, it's not an extremely modern look uh, uh on our on most of our knives um you know i in my i always have a knife like this in my pack when i'm hunting i also usually have a like a havilon in my yeah. pack well they're they're extremely useful but sure. I'm not going to hand that down to my kids or my grandkids. Yeah. You know? And I, mean, I do, like, to be honest, I do too, because they are extremely useful for, for certain things, but there are other times where you want a sturdier blade, uh, like you said, for cutting through a sternum or, yeah. you know, some parts of deboning or even cutting through like the back, uh, hip, hip joint. Like you'll break a Havilon real quick. Yeah. Um, so I always have a like legit blade and a, um, a Havilon or, or a, something like that in my kill kit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can, I, I do too. And for those exact reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, curious, like, do you have like a, my pocket everyday carry is, I just keep coming back to just a Kershaw blur. Yeah, it's pretty cheap. Thing. It's sharp as a razor out of the box. Yep. So, I was, what what do you carry around every day? Uh, so at, you know, today I'm carrying uh, a ZT. It's their zero four five zero. It's a Sinkovich design. 
Uh-huh. Um, there, sorry, I got to fly flying around here. Nice. Car- carbon uh, fiber on that side, titanium on the other side. Uh, obviously, a pocket clip. It's just a, it's just a flipper. It's not a, it's not a cyst opening. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm carrying today. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I am blessed because I'm kind of in the knife stuff. Um, yeah. Several that I, I carry. I tend to carry ZTs um, right now. I actually have not found the pocket knife I'm looking for yet. Mm, okay. um, the pocket knife I'm looking for has a little bit more of a classic kind of drop point uh, blade. And I, I'm looking for a green micarta handle. I want a flipper, but and I want it made in the United States. That Now, again. Why don't have, you make I, it? I have some. <laughs> I, I'm, I've started talking with a guy. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. So, the reason I, I like these also because I I tend to break or lose pocket knives. They have about a year or two shelf life for me. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I just, you know, I, I haven't, like, really wanted to buy, like, a really expensive one because yeah. I'll just pick up. I almost get, like, a new one of these, like, every hunting season, which is kind of stupid maybe, but. No, I don't um, think so. I so it, and it depends on what you're doing every day. Like yeah. if you're, if you are hard use every day, you know, and you're digging in the dirt with a knife and using yeah. it as a crowbar and, you For know, sure. digging stuff out of, you know, scraping rust off of stuff. Like you don't, I wouldn't want to use a $200 yeah. pocket knife. For um, sure. So yeah, I, that's why, there is no one knife. Like yeah. when people ask the question, what one knife should I get? I, I, I'm like, man. Yeah. It's like, what one gun should I get? Like what? Right. One sometimes gun? You need a shotgun. Sometimes <laughs> you need a rifle. Sometimes yeah. That's simple. Which right? my wife doesn't totally doesn't get. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I'm curious, have you ever uh, been able to go up and, and see some of the uh, the missions work that uh, Josh uh, does in Alaska? That's a, that's a great question. So the, I have been to Alaska and I've hunted with Josh. We hunted, nice. we hunted for spring black for black bear in the spring on Prince William Sound. Um, and I have seen the camp. How was that hunt? Was it fun? It was a blast. Um, and I, it's, um, I still have PTSD over this. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. Like I, I do have deep regret. Um, uh, I shot at a bear. I think I connected with it and we never found it. Uh, I mean, it happens. Yeah, it, 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 um, it was in the spring snow was melting fast. Uh, it dove down into some just unbelievably dark, thick stuff. We said, we're going to give it some time. Snow started melting, was melting pretty aggressively. We lost track. We went mm. in some really dark, deep timber and just never yeah. came up with it. So it happens. Um, yeah. 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 So I, I hate that that's the end of that story. Um, I have not been up on the Yukon River. Ron has several times, um, and that's on the that's on the short list for me to go up there and go with Josh on the Yukon River. Ideally, I mean, my my hope is to do a dual purpose, right? To go see the ministry, yeah. to see the mission, and if we happen to see a moose along the way, I um, mean, you you got if you're going that far, you got to buy a tag right. or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that'd be I that'd be awesome. Haven't been up on the Yukon yet, um, and Ron and I are both kind of like, all right, if we're going to call this Yukon River Knives. You know, you got to get up on the Yukon uh, yeah. at some point and and check it out. So for sure, man, Alaska is is so cool. Um, 
I mean, I've talked about it a lot of times on this podcast before, but it it was my first trip ever, which happened to be in Alaska, that really changed my life. Like yeah. it's just it's just so cool up there. It's just another world. It is. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. All I, all I could do is just shake my head and say, you're absolutely right. I know exactly yeah. what you're saying. And any outdoorsman that's been up there was, is just going to say the same thing. I mean, it's, it is remarkable. It feels different. Yeah, it does. It's yeah. just, um, I don't know, like in the lower 48, I mean, there are definitely some very wild places you can get into, but for the most part you, in the lower 48, you know, if like, all right, if I just keep walking long enough i'll hit a road or somebody <laughs> right. or something up there it's like if i keep walking long enough like i'll just keep walking <laughs> that's right <laughs> until i die or something yeah 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 that's true um yeah. so yeah man um you know just shift focus a little bit uh yeah. you know from from the knives and stuff like that um you know i just want to ask because you know other kind of themes of the podcast are obviously like spiritual formation and it says fitness, although I haven't really talked much about fitness in a long time. Um, but I know just from like brief conversations that, um, obviously you're a pastor and I know that you're into fitness at some levels. So, um, I'd like to, well, first of all, what's, what's kind of like your, I, I, well, I've found there's a lot of correlation between like physical fitness and like spiritual growth and like discipline yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see, to hear your take on that. And then also just kind of practically what your, um, your fitness, both like men or both spiritual and physical yeah. routines are yeah. kind of like, yeah, man. Well, thanks for asking. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right that, Discipline is kind of a life encompassing package. And when we're disciplined in one area, usually that translates into multiple areas. Uh, um, I, and I think it's, I actually think the self-control that is part of the fruit of the spirit is actually even part of this. Like, I think God can help us grow in spiritual discipline. Um, yeah. I, I, I have a feeling that for some people, maybe they're more inclined toward living a disciplined lifestyle and others maybe are less, but everyone can, can, can grow um, in, in their, in their discipline. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I was, I was privileged to grow up in a wonderful Christian home. Um, I, um, I heard the good news about Jesus. I tell people nine months before I was born, I was in church, you know, um, (laughs) I've always known of Christ. Um, when I was 12 is when I believe I was really converted and put my faith in Christ, uh, for my salvation. And did you have a season of going off the deep end like I did, or did you be able to keep it between the line, the lanes? I, I wish, I wish I had some real spicy. No, you don't wish here with you. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I appreciate what you said. I actually don't. I am. I'm very thankful, man. Yeah. Um, no, it seems like all romantic, did. but like, no, it, I wouldn't, yeah. it's, it's a lot of heartache and like, yeah. I, it's part of my story. And so I've, you know, sure. I, come to grips with it. I've made it into a positive thing, but like there is, uh, also a lot to be said about not having to go through all that pain and suffering. Um, my dad, my dad's a pastor. So I grew up in a pastor's home. Um, I saw the good, the bad, and the ugly of pastoral ministry and God actually even used that to, to actually direct me toward pastoral ministry. Um, I think God's the one who makes a pastor and calls a pastor. Uh, I think humanly speaking, God used my growing up experience to, to direct me toward that. So, um, 
yeah, I've pastoral ministry has been what I've done um, as my uh, whatever you want to call it life career. Um, and so uh, I'll, st- I'll just start with a little bit with just spiritual uh, stuff. Yeah I, w- yeah, I was born again when I was 12 um, and really like kind of in my uh, my late teens, early 20s, I I felt like, OK, I'm I believe this stuff for, for me, like I'm I'm following Christ because I want to. Right. Um, your own in fact, faith. it was such a strong experience that I sometimes wondered, is that really when I was really became a Christian or when it, so I did, I have the know. same thing too, because I got saved as a kid, you know, I was 12. Right. I think it was real. I had to think, you know, I think it was real, yep. but, um, I, and I know this kind of goes into like Calvinism and like, you know, once saved, always saved. We don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but I mean, there was times in there where I don't know, man, I don't know if, if I had died, I don't know where I would have gone to be honest with you. I mean, I, if you'd asked me, I would say, yeah, yeah I still believe in God, but, um, I was not living it. Um, you know, I definitely had some demons. Um, and then, but I, I do feel like I got, it's almost like I got saved again when I was like in my twenties or something, you know, it's weird. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, praise, praise God. I, you know, I don't think you have to know when sure. that moment was, you know, no. you're alive right now, spiritually, yeah. like, and you're, you're following Christ, you're trusting in him as am I. And I'm thankful for that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a full-time pastor. Um, I mean, that's my, that's what I do day in, day out. I, I love doing it. Um, and I always want to keep doing it, but I, I have loved the outdoors ever since I can remember, um, love being in the outdoors, love hunting, love honestly i feel like the lord has used it to help me connect with people throughout uh throughout the years and um it it is wonderfully refreshing and restorative for me uh to spend a day or a week or an afternoon out chasing anything from dove to you know deer i'm i'm yeah. very happy to be out doing that um and then you know the 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 physical fitness part of it is, um, when, when I was in high school, I started just exercising Yeah, I'd go for a run. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm this weird guy, man. I was homeschooled in high school. So I know that, you know, I don't know what people have, what stereotypes they have of homeschoolers, but I was, I was, I was homeschooled. And uh, like my mom said, you got to do PE. So, go, you know, and I would go running and then I started working out and I saw a little bit of gains from like, oh man, you know, you, you bench press and you curl and all of a sudden you got some muscles and, yeah. and I liked that. And, uh, and then I just, um, it, it has never been this really hard, arduous thing. Like there was never a moment where I got, you know, morbidly obese and had to, you know, realize yeah. I got to, I got to turn the the ship around here. Um, I have just kind of always enjoyed running, biking, swimming, body weight exercise stuff. I've never been the a gym guy really. Um, yeah. in college for a little while, cause it was so close and so convenient, right? Like I, my dorm was a hundred yards from the gym. It was mm-hmm. free. I'd go to the gym. Um, but literally if I spun you around here in my office, there's a, there's a pull-up bar above my doorway right here. There are dumbbells on the floor behind me. And three days a week, I will take a 30-minute break in my office 
and push out and crank out and push up curls, pull ups. And then two, three days a week, I'll run bike often with friends. Um, and so I, I'm not an Olympic athlete. I run three miles. That's about the farthest I go. I'll bike 10, 15 miles. So for me, my, my, at this point in my life, um, it, it's, it's just kind of, um, I hate to use the word maintenance because it sounds lazy, but like, it's, it's mostly, I'm, I try to eat well, I can still yeah. fall off the wagon up there. Of course. Um, and so I try to eat well, my wife feeds me really well at home. The problem is as a pastor, I eat lunch out all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so I can get myself in, I mean, the best chicken fried steak in the world is a mile from me. Um, and so, uh, I, I gotta be careful there. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So, man. Well, I, I'm rambling, man. No, no, you're good. Um, I'm, I am curious yeah. though, because having, having worked in full-time ministry and just having also been around that world a lot, like, it's super easy to just be like, yeah, you know, I don't really need to like pray or read my Bible today because I'm immersed in it every day. And then it's very easy to tell yourself that lie until you are working in ministry, but you have like almost no personal connection to God. And I know a lot of pastors fall into that. Yeah. Um, how are you able to keep your spirit fed? Cause you know, it's like, on an airplane, like you got to put your mask on first before you can help sure. anybody else. Yeah, and so many pastors just run themselves in the ground, put other people's masks on and they're dead inside. Like, how do you stay yeah. fed? Yeah, no, that's good. Um, so thankfully, uh, in the last, I don't know, four years, five years, um, it has suddenly become relatively easy for me to get up early. And when I say early, it's not terribly early, 5.30. So I know for some, yeah. it's really early. For others, you know, I've missed half the day. But um, get up at 5.30. Um, I wish I could say that my first thoughts were for the Lord. My first thoughts are for the coffee pot. So uh, <laughs> 5.30, head to the coffee pot. And then um, I'll spend 45-ish minutes reading the Bible. Nice. Um, man, I, I mean, I'm just being honest on a podcast, uh, with, with a guy that I just met and people who are listening that I don't know, I, honestly, my prayer life struggles. Um, I, I mean, I can get a little bit of praying done in the morning, but, uh, I, I definitely need to grow even more in, sure. uh, in, in my just personal time in the morning of, mm -hmm. of taking, casting all my cares on him. Yeah. Uh, well, it's hard because, um, reading the Bible is such a concrete, Yep. thing it's so it's so not that it's bad or not as good it's very valuable but it's it's just something you can like do and check off yep. prayer is just it's harder it's more ethereal like it's uh it's it's almost why i feel like back in the day the pharisees were so obsessed with the law and and couldn't really like grasp this new you know grace and jesus stuff is because like to them although living by the law is hard it's concrete it's grabbable you can like yeah. do it yeah you know yeah i i mean we like legalism because we know that i i do the things that check the boxes right something that has been helpful recently is um this the concept of praying scripture using scripture to help mm -hmm. me pray yeah An excellent little book by uh don whitney um called praying the bible i mean and really it is a very small easy read has helped me tremendously um so morning time with the Lord. And then I, I, I have tried to really make 
even my, my study and my sermon prep personally devotional as well. I, this yeah. is not something that I, a package I'm putting together for them, you know, but yeah. Hey, uh, I want this to stir my affections and, and do, to uh, do sermon preparation prayerfully and, and spirit dependently as well. So, um, and then man, uh, something that's just incredible. I mean, it is helpful when you have accountability and sure. that speak into your life. And so um, I have a group of guys that I meet with every other week. And uh, as we go around the room, we talk about our Bible reading, our prayer life, our thought life, our life at home with our family and w- with our wife and, and kids. And it's, yeah, it's, huge. it's pretty direct. And like, and sometimes one or several of us will have, less than stellar performances, you know, yeah. to report on. but man, the, the prayer, the brotherhood, the help that comes from that. Um, I mean, I, I, it's hard to, it would be hard for me to put into a, a value, like how important that is for yeah. me. And I think really for all of us as men. To, to it have. is. And that's the area where I struggle. Um, and just also being, we just moved recently. So being in a new area, I haven't really found that group of guys yet. Um, but that is very important, and especially like, cause being in ministry can also be very isolating. You feel like, Oh, I gotta be like this perfect thing, you know, away from these other people. But that sounds like you've been able to strike a good balance of like finding guys that you can be real with, which is very important. Yeah. And I was the same way, man, like with the prayer thing, like um, a couple years ago, that was something I felt like the Lord convicted me of is like, okay, um, you know, I'm good at study. Like I went, you know, I read through the Bible in a year and did all that. And like, I'm good at that. And, um, but like my prayer life was like non-existent. So I was like, I went on this like personal journey and that was, uh, just, just encouraging you as a brother, like, you know, stay on that path, like keep seeking the Lord there. Cause that, um, that changed, changed a lot of stuff in my life, opened up a lot of doors in a good way. Um, and not, you probably know this, but not all praying is, is talking either. Like for me, I found that like sometimes silence is uh, important. Um, and you see, you see meditation even in, you know, all the way back to like Isaac going out in the field and meditating when he sees Rebecca coming or I might be getting the names wrong, but, um, David, you know, meditating. Um, but anyway, um, that's cool, man. Um, sounds like you've got stuff going and dude, we should maybe, uh, maybe we should, uh, check out the Yukon river together sometime. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's try to put something together for next fall. I, I am. So I haven't even, so I had a big hunt planned for 2023 in Alaska. Uh, I've talked about it on the podcast before it's a sheep hunt. I don't think I've said this yet, but the guide called me, a week or so ago and just said, man, there's no legal Rams up here. I don't want to take your money uh, for a 10 day camping trip, which was super cool that he was that honest. So that got canceled, but my heart's already set. I'm going to Alaska in August 23. So I haven't figured out how exactly I have some ideas of what I'm going to try to do. Um, but I haven't come to a conclusion there yet. So I'm going up there. Yeah. Let's talk real seriously about it. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. Um, For sure, man. I'd, do you know? Do you know Adam? I see your Weatherby shirt. I know he was a pastor too. Uh, no, I don't. We have a very close mutual friend, and um, I'm actually su- I'm actually supposed to meet him 
here in the next couple of weeks. Oh, cool. I, can't, I don't know that I can. And his brother makes them. knives. I know. <laughs> yeah, really cool, really cool looking ones. Yeah. 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 I, cool I haven't connection. handled. I haven't handled his brother's knives, but um, yeah, they look sweet. Yeah, dude. No, so oh, I don't cool, know, man. but I'm I'm hoping to meet him soon. Yeah, he's a good guy. I had him on the podcast way back, almost when I first started. Yeah. Um, but anyway, man, it's been great catching up with you. I'm sure we could talk forever, but I know we you got stuff to do, and so I'll let yeah. you go, man. But it was great, uh, great spending some time with you, and um, yeah, enjoyed it. And right. definitely, where can people go if they want to find out more River, about UConn? Yeah, UConnRiverKnives.com is the website where you can purchase a heirloom quality everyday use beat it up kind of knife yep right there trying to get it to focus yeah anyway it's having trouble focusing yeah. um and uh we're on instagram uh we're on facebook as well but i mean i just post up to instagram that yeah. goes there onto facebook so instagram is obviously the platform that we're kind of trying to build up right now very much appreciate anybody going and giving us a follow over there and um yeah 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 check them out guys you kind of knives and get yourself a sweet knife and also help out a missionary in alaska super cool so thanks again man it's good talking to you thank you hunter very much man